testimony from a young couple, <clears throat> how they struggled through uh, and navigated uh, that, which uh, many people, uh, probably most of us, have experienced some part of that. Um, I thought the, their testimony is very riveting. And the series is about relationship. It's not just about marriage. Uh, today we're talking about romance. Romance and marriage are the romantic aspect, romantic relationships. Um, uh, and I'm uh, 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 going to touch on a few aspects of what that means. And, and not only some of the limitations that, that God requires of us, but mostly I want to get to understanding why. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the reasons uh, that uh, not only there are limitations, but there are desires and, and what that means and how it all comes together and is something that's healthy and something that God created. Uh, to start with, in Proverbs chapter 30, <clears throat> verse 18, this is one of my favorite Proverbs. Proverbs 30, 18 and 19 says, Three things are too amazing for me. There are four things I don't understand. The first is the way of an eagle in the sky. The second is the way of a snake on a rock. The third is the way of a ship on an ocean. And the fourth is the way of a man with a young woman. <laughs> you know, the, the writer of Proverbs himself expressing things he can't comprehend. Uh, how, how does a bird fly? How does a snake get across the stone? You know, how does, how does a ship navigate the ocean? I can't understand these things. And man, when you look at a young man and young woman, wow, I don't get it. And the truth is, romantic relationships are mysterious. And the Bible even agrees to this. God understands that the dynamics of romance and falling in love and all of those feelings. But part of it is that it is a mystery. And the Bible declares, knowing it's mysterious, and there's aspects of, of uh, romance and romantic relationships that, that are a mystery, should actually encourage us when we're in the place where we don't understand what's happening to us. Or we don't understand why so-and-so is behaving in such a way. Okay? It's mysterious. Romantic relationship is mysterious. And um, next week we're going to be talking about sexuality. Can't you wait for the video? <laughs> Next week we're going to talk, and and my wife was going to my wife when I showed her the outline she said you're going to talk about sex separate than marriage and uh, you know I was like wow we usually combine that but but there's there's a reason I want to talk about romance and romance includes sexuality but next week we're going to focus specifically on issues of sexuality but of course romance falling in love involves as as the testimony uh, on the video expresses our sexual aspects of it as well so uh, my goal is to challenge you challenge all of us to live by God's standard you know the bible speaks a lot about relationships. And there's a standard that God uh, provides. Uh, and I, want, I hope to challenge you to live by that standard because it's best for you. It's best for all, uh, all, all involved uh, and not be drawn away by our own natural desires or the influences of the world. Last week we looked at the Scriptures that mankind, humankind, humans were made in the image of God. And that means that we share His nature. And uh, we talked about how as uh, created in the image of God, we dwell in unity and dominion. We're supposed to be in union 
and have dominion. And if you didn't uh, hear last week's uh, teaching, I encourage you to listen to it online. It's free. But this whole aspect of the need or the desire in us to have union and to rule, to have dominion, not dominion over others, uh, because that would actually be a contradiction of the unity that we're supposed to have, but we're to exert dominion, uh, authority over things that would draw us away from godliness. All right. Genesis 2.18, we're going to get into this a little more. <clears throat> Genesis 2.18 through 25 uh, the, is, is where we're introduced to this whole idea of, of marriage and, and romantic relationship. The Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. In verse 21, it says, the Lord, caused, uh, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, now, uh, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So this idea that in marriage, two unique separate individuals are joined in a relationship that, that, that God actually declares in His Word that they are one. So the two become one, and there's this mystical, mysterious aspect of marriage that you actually share oneness with another person. And that's, that's, that's at its core, marriage is the relationship in which this desire that we have to experience unity on such a deep level uh, and shared authority Marriage is that relationship where we're supposed to realize that desire. Are you hearing me? Okay, that we have this desire for oneness and unity and dominion, walking in authority and having uh, having our lives ordered because we are created in God's nature. God uh, has that, and so we reflect that character in us, and so we desire it. And in marriage. That desire is to be realized. It's to be. It's the most complete expression of the uh, need or the plan of God that we would be united with another. <clears throat> and this idea for the need for becoming one with another is probably better expressed in the word intimacy. All right, and, and our language in our day is that there is a there is a need. In, in the heart and soul and mind of each and every person to have intimacy. All right? And that's what it means to, have, to be in unity and to be one. All right? And we have different levels of intimacy that we share with different people. And in marriage, we're supposed to, what we're called to. Marriage is a relationship where we're called to have the deepest level of intimacy. Okay, and romance is simply the process by which most people enter into the state of marriage. All right, and so falling in love and and going through that process of of having romantic feelings is 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 the means by which we as creatures uh, develop a, a, and make that commitment of 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 being married to one another. And I say most of us because sometimes people get married for other reasons. All right, good and bad. 
But the fact is, it's all connected. And that, uh, in, in God's plan and in the, in the way we are created, uh, 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 romance is to lead to and entice us into marriage and then find its fulfillment, not its disappointment in marriage. Okay? Romance doesn't end with marriage. Romance is intended to be fulfilled in marriage, and there's a need for intimacy. All right? Say need. need. Say, I need, I need. Intimacy. intimacy. Okay? I need intimacy because you were created in God's image, and God is intimate with the, uh, Jesus. The Father is intimate with Jesus. Jesus is intimate with the Holy Spirit. Okay? They share thoughts. They share intentions. They're always one. They're never in disagreement, okay? And we were created to have that same uh, type of relationship with others and with Him. So we have this need for intimacy. We were created to have a need for physical intimacy, emotional and intellectual intimacy, and spiritual intimacy. There's different types of intimacy as well as different levels of intimacy. Uh, and, and intimacy is just the... The sharing of yourself with someone else, uh, you know, into me see. Uh, I was with, I was in a men's group and um, I was teaching, and <clears throat> this guy had only been coming to their church uh, for a short time, and he said he was like, you know, guys, I just have to admit I have a real real trouble with intimacy, and and I, and I got with uh, Pastor Gary, that was the pastor of the church, and he said uh, Gary kept saying, into me see. You know, intimacy, intimacy. And he was like, what does that mean? <laughs> it didn't help him at all. <laughs> but it's, it's just the opening up of yourself to a deeper level. And, and you don't do that just to anybody, right? And if you do, you're actually means there's something else wrong. Inappropriate intimacy is, is not healthy. Uh, but lack of intimacy is, is like uh, emotional starvation. Um, <clears throat> so it's intimacy and the need for intimacy, the need to be one, is, and, and romance and marriage is the process through which God has ordained that need for the deepest intimacy to be fulfilled. Right? The need is legitimate. And God has a way to meet that need legitimately and in a healthy way. And that's romance and marriage. All right. <clears throat> when we are single and we partake of the privileges that are intended to be reserved for marriage, before we're married, we're robbing ourselves and our spouse, whether it's the person we're with at the moment or another person if we end up not getting married to the person we're with, uh, of what was intended to be theirs. It's stealing. Okay? In other words, and this is what this young couple experienced. They shared a level of physical intimacy, and of course, that's what most people have a difficulty with, um, or it's most obvious. In reality, and I tried to teach my children this, I tried to I try to teach other people this, is that <clears throat> emotional intimacy is just as dangerous or just as, a, just, just as much of an issue, okay? In other words, we can't allow our children to go emotionally, uh, uh, be emotionally too intimate with a boyfriend or girlfriend and not expect them to act on that emotional intimacy by displaying it physically, 
And, and parents have this idea that it's okay to fall in love as a teenager in high school and get head over heels and allow them to emotionally express that love and think that they will not be able to um, allow that emotional intimacy to be expressed physically. It's actually wrong to not allow them to express it physically. All right? And so what I tried to teach my, ch- my uh, children, my daughters, my, now my young sons are, are beginning at the same place, is don't give your heart away. You need to be careful not to go too far emotionally. It's one thing to be overwhelmed with the feelings of, uh, you know, attraction and um, infatuation. It's another thing to give your heart, you know. Before you say, they're my soulmate, wait a minute. You're 13. (laughs) And really, it's not appropriate. You're not ready for that. Are you ready to be married? You're talking the language of marriage. Are you ready to be married? No. Then you're not ready to go that far emotionally. You need to check your emotions. Okay? But when you allow your emotions to go all the way, and then we don't understand why they can't hold themselves back physically, it's actually bad. It's wrong thinking. All right? The, it, the cat's already out of the bag, all right? And so, <clears throat> but when you, when you, whether it be emotional attachment or physical attachment, there can even be an intellectual and sharing of thoughts and ideas. You know, I heard this not too long ago. <clears throat> uh, a psychi- psychologist actually shared this with him. It blew me away. I didn't know this. <clears throat> he said, whoever you share something with first, you deepen the level of intimacy you have with that individual. And so if someone's at work and uh, they get a phone call and it's good news, and the first thing you do is you go out and tell your secretary, you've just emotionally gone deeper to your secretary. And you tell another workmate, and by the time you get home to see your spouse, you've already told five people. You don't even bother saying it. And when he said that, and I thought through, and just think, I thought, you know, that's absolutely right. You feel you share something with someone, and since that time, I try whenever I get something that like is really good news or really bad news, or even sometimes if it's just an interesting fact, I'm going to save that for Kathy. I do that intentionally. I'm going to save that for Kathy. I want to come out and tell somebody out here about. I save it, or I call her, because I'm intentionally deepening uh, 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 intimacy with Kathy. I'm putting her first. And I, before he told me that, I never would have thought that. I'm like, what do you mean? Tell my wife first that, you know, I had a flat tire or, or you know, or I saw something beautiful. But it's true. <clears throat> so if we share the level of intimacy with someone we're not married, we're robbing our spouse and ourselves of that fulfillment of intimacy. Now, it's also true that once we're married, for whatever reason, if we fail to share with our spouse the level of intimacy that God intends to be shared in, in that relationship, it's the same sin. If I can be so frank, call me Frank. Could, could we say that having sex... Be, with someone you're not married to 
is the same sin as not having sex with someone you're married to. It's the same principle being violated. You're withholding from your spouse the necessary affection. Read Corinthians chapter 7. Do not withhold from one another physical affection. So, having sex with someone you're not married to is really the same problem as not having sex, or not having sex with your spouse is really the same problem as infidelity. You know why? Because you're not meeting your need for physical intimacy in the relationship that God ordained it to be meant. That's the most healthy for you and the most fulfilling. And it's a need that you have. And I understand that some people are are single. Some people were married and they're they're widowed or divorced or in the stage of life that... um, you know, some people are like, I just don't even want to be married. And that's okay. And some people are called, actually, to not be married. Uh, and that's okay. And, and frankly, what that means is that there is an unmet need. Ultimately, everyone's deepest need for intimacy on all of those levels is fulfilled in our relationship with God. All right? But we are called to have those levels of intimacy with one another. And some people, just like you fast, you fast from food, which is a genuine need. Some people fast from marriage, and that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But there is right relationship and fulfilling relationship in the right way. Okay, I think I got everybody's attention. (coughs) Um, Let's see here. You know, the Hollywood model for relationships is that you got to find the right person. So you're on the lookout and you go to school, go to the mall. I love going to the mall. Actually, I don't. I actually hate going to the mall. But when I'm forced to go to the mall, I, I just watch the people, you know. And you can just tell the people are putting on the dog, right? <laughs> they are parading, my word. I'm like, wow. Billboard. <laughs> you know, they're just like, gosh, do you realize? You know, they're, they're, they're out to find someone, you know, because they think that's what life's supposed to be. You go out and you try to find, some, find the right person. And when you find the right person, you'll know it because something will happen. <clears throat> And then you'll fix all your hopes and dreams on that person. You'll commit your whole life to them that they will make you complete. You know? And then, when, if and or when that fails, you know, go back to step A and start over again. And that's the cycle that Hollywood and television, media really, media and our culture tells us. If you find the right person, you'll know it. You'll do all the right things. They'll meet all your needs. And if they disappoint you, oh, must not have been the right person. So you have to go out and find somebody else. And and you're just trying to meet that need, but that's not the way it is. Because God's way is not that you go out and find the right person, but that you be the right person. Alright? That you be the right person. And when you are the right person, when when you establish wholeness and healthiness in yourself, then you'll be positioned... Uh, or at least that you understand that and you're seeking it, you'll be positioned to be able to connect with a, another person 
on the level of relational intimacy that is meant to lead toward marriage. So romantic relationships and, and marriage. <clears throat> Um, Ephesians 5 is a, has the most compelling uh, portion of Scripture in the New Testament on marriage. It's the end of it. It's, it's read in almost every wedding. It's where Christ and the church, marriage is c- compared to Christ and the church. And, and we're supposed to love our wives as, as, Christ, as, as Jesus loved the church and, and all that. But it begins with verse 31 of chapter 4 through 5-2. Uh, it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, the section on marriage and relationship, begins with, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. He starts out and he lays the foundation this chapter on marriage about living Christ-like because Jesus uh, 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 forgave us and God forgave us through the work of Christ. And then chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. This is the key. And walk in love as Christ also loved us and, and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. The key to healthy relationships, whether it be with your spouse, with someone you're dating, with a friend, with a co-worker, family person, the key in all of them is that we are to be imitators of God as dear children. And it goes right back to what I talked about last week, is that we were created in the image of God. So we are to live and act and respond to other people in the way that God does, according to His nature and His character. Why? Because that's who you were created to be. And anything short of that is short of your destiny. It's short of you being you. And God wants you to be all that you were made to be. And that would, is to be an imitator or a representative, a reproduction of God in the earth, on the earth, heaven on earth. Okay? And so we, we bring that into our relationships. So how should you treat your spouse the same way God would treat your spouse? In fact, I tell this to people when they're having marriage problems. I say this. I say the way you treat your spouse is the way you treat Jesus. And they say, you don't understand. And I say, well, actually I do. (laughs) But you don't believe I understand. What do we mean? What you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. Well, if Jesus says how you treat a stranger on the street, that you barely even, you don't even know their name, is how you treat Jesus, how much more... Is it true that the way you treat the person you've covenanted to be in a relationship that represents Christ's relationship to the church reflects how you really treat Jesus Christ? So do you honor? Do you submit? Do you obey? Do you love sacrificially? Do you give as well as receive with your spouse? Or do you take for granted? Ignore? Deny, reject, belittle, be angry, 
misunderstand, blame, accuse. It's your choice. Because God created you in a way to live like Him. Say, it's not my choice. They do this and they do that and they do this. Okay, they do this and they do that all to, to God. In fact, I remember when Jesus came on earth, even his best friends denied him. People threw rocks at him, called him names. Then they grabbed him and crucified him. Has your spouse done that to you yet? What did Jesus do while he was on the cross? After he was rejected. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So we're called to be reproductions of God in romantic relationships as well as all relationships. God's model is being the right person. It's reflecting His character, not out of obligation or fear of punishment, but as dear children. Be imitators of God as dear children. Okay, and this is very important. Because we don't do it because of, out of fear of hell. Okay? God is not going to send anyone to hell. There you go. Love wins. <laughs> they will end up there on their own without His help. Because He's done everything in His power to help everyone to not go to hell. Are you hearing me? He doesn't have to send people to hell. He's rescuing people from hell. Okay? And those who reject his attempts, and he's gone the furthest you could possibly imagine, will end up in their self-chosen destiny. But he never gives up. I told someone just last week, as they were sharing a personal struggle they were in, and I said, he's unrelenting. God is unrelenting. He never gives up. Don't you love it about him? If you attempt to build intimacy, um, I had another quote before that. Oh, as dear children. So we're beloved. We're beloved. That's what dear, the word dear can also be beloved. Children. So we're imitators of God, not out of fear of punishment. Oh, if I touch, I'll get punished. I'll go to hell or whatever. No. But because we're dearly loved, we know that we're loved by God. And out of that identity of there is someone better than any other person on the planet that actually loves me more than everybody could combined. And that gives me an identity, a confidence, an awareness that I can put up with the, the, the deficits the inadequacies of other people and even my spouse because I, my needs for deepest intimacy are met in God. When I know that, I'm a dear child of God. Then I can treat my spouse as Christ would treat her. Right? Consistently. And have the best hope. And it's not a guarantee, by the way. Listen, let me just get it on. You know, one thing that and the hardest thing to go to is a marriage conference. My wife and I have been saying, we've got to come up with another way to do a marriage conference without having it be called a marriage conference. Because <laughs> the people who are having trouble in marriages, they don't want to go to a conference because they already know they're having trouble. And it makes them feel worse. All right? 
to say. <clears throat> when, you're, when you have God meeting your deepest needs, then you can give in the relationship. This is what I was going to say. People think that in your marriage should be an easier relationship. Okay, listen. All day. Okay, just, just so you know, I've said this. I've been busted. I've repented. I've changed. Okay? All day, I have to put up with so-and-so at work or so-and-so this and this and this. And then I get home. All I want is a little respect. No. <laughs> R-E-S. Right? Are you, you know? And, and, and you have this, there's this unwritten thing that you think that, boy, once we're married, you know, they should understand me. Why don't they understand me? Heck, so-and-so understands me better than you do. And we think that marriage should be easy. Listen, marriage is the most difficult relationship you'll ever be in. If you have a good marriage. (laughs) What do I mean by that? I mean that you must invest more time and energy into your marriage than into any other relationship. And if you don't, you're you're not demonstrating a good marriage. Because it is the relationship of life that you should, that you've chosen. It was a choice. No one here was forced to marry. Come on. Okay? You've chosen to commit your life to Him. All my worldly goods I to thee bestow. A few years later, where's my applesauce? Somebody in Kalamazoo, several years ago, Shot his wife with a 22. You know, I don't know why. Because she ate the rest of the macaroni and cheese. (laughs) She is okay. She survived. When I read that in the paper, I thought, what? There's more to this story than macaroni and cheese. Right? There's ex- failed expectations. You know. It really happened. It was a long time ago. I actually cut the article out and saved it for a long time. I was doing counseling. I said, like, don't let it come to 22, okay? <clears throat> so marriage is a relationship that you have to invest the most into. And it should be the relationship that you get the most out of. But people get into marriages because they go from the romance thing and then they find out, Oh, this person, this other person can't meet all of my needs. In fact, they don't meet half of them. In fact, you know what? I don't think they're meeting any of my needs. <laughs> right? And you don't even see all of the things that they are doing because you're so focused on what they're not doing. All right? And God says, no, treat them like I treat you. I overlook all of your offenses. Before you even ask forgiveness, I died for you. Since you love your spouse like that, you'll have a good marriage. It doesn't mean, you know, you're married to another person that has at least as much problems as you do. (laughs) Right. So give them a little slack. In fact, die for them. 
That's what God did. And in doing that, you'll fulfill that relationship. So romance leads to marriage, which is a relationship where our deepest needs for physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual intimacy is supposed to be met. Next week, we're going to talk about sexual, sexuality and, and how it relates to marriage. But also, you know what? People that aren't married struggle with sexuality. Did you know that? So, guess what, single folks? People that are married have just as many problems. So, we're going to talk all about that. Wait, wait till you see the video. <laughs> Give camera to hands.